Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Happy Wednesday night. Welcome in to another episode of Shouted Buffalo Bills Football Podcast. He, he is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Ryan, we're finally there. It's it's mock season officially on the Shout Podcast. We've done these. I think this will be our third straight year doing the live mock. Tonight, we're going to get up the uh, the simulator going. We'll go through each pick in the first round and kind of strategize as we get our way to the Bills pick at 27, what we think the Bills should do. It's always a fun exercise. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Draft season right around the corner. Like you said, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I think Bills fans at least in the last five years, have kind of forgotten that this was like the Super Bowl events for Bills fans during the drought. It was always, who are they going to get? Who's that guy, the savior going to be? Uh, hasn't been that way, obviously, since they drafted Josh Allen. This team has really turned things around, but the draft is still a big deal. I love it, and I'm excited to do this tonight. Um, we want to touch on a couple of uh, news and notes before we get into the mock. Uh, but before we get into anything, Ryan, we got a big, big night coming. Uh, on Saturday night, Huge. Uh, show up anytime after six o'clock. We'll probably be live at seven thirty out at Wingnuts um, inside Froth Brewing's uh, company, seven hundred Military Road. We're bringing out Joe Biscaglia, one of the big guns in the local beat, and he is going to help us break down the draft. And you know, it's going to be. We were thinking about doing this mock draft then, but instead, we're going to we're going to come in with three or four different scenarios, and we're going to kind of debate them. Um, I don't know what the format of it is going to be. I want to kind of touch base with Joe and, and Ryan here in the next couple of days, but whatever it ends up being, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun. Listen, if you're a, if you're a Bills fan, if you're a big draft nut, come on out to what wing nuts, who knows? We might, we might even get you involved in the show. We could talk about that. Once we get out there, it's going to be a fun time. These are, these are awesome. And this event, Ryan it's going to be special. It's going to, we have an announcement. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we're going to be giving out, check these bad boys out. We got some stickers. We got uh, the new official shout t-shirt here that we're going to be rocking. There's like a new, um, a new banner that we have. That's going to be up and new audio setup in wing nuts. So you're going to be able to hopefully hear the podcast while we're uh, streaming live on YouTube. It's going to be a great time, right? Yeah, it's always a great time at Wing Nuts. Uh, while you're there, you know, obviously try out all their wings. They have the flights of wings while you're watching the pod. Uh, come on out. It's going to be a great time. It is going to be a great time indeed. Okay. Uh, last week, Roy Collins, I'm just a nut. Well, that's okay. They they like the nuts out over at Wing Nuts. So just come on out there, have a couple wings. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, the Bills brought back Shaq Lawson, which – it's interesting because he kind of was hanging out there and a couple weeks ago or maybe early last week, I put out a tweet of the la- like the laundry list of edge rushers that are still on the market. I mean, you know, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, some of those, you know, guys that have been impact players the last couple of years still without a team. And, you know, I thought maybe, you know, the Bills might be in the market for one of those veteran players. They end up bringing back Shaq Lawson. And I was on a radio show earlier this week, Ryan, and I was asked, does this take the Bills out of potentially that market or change things in the draft at all? And I'm not so sure as big of a fan as I am of what Shaq Lawson brings. I think to me, this deal is very likely a, we love what you gave us last year down the stretch. You want to be here. We like the juice you bring in the locker room, come in and compete for a roster spot. But I don't necessarily know that this is handing him one of those edge rusher positions or promising him anything. It's going to have to be earned. And I don't think that takes them out of continuing to maybe add at that position. 
You know, I agree completely, man. You, you said it perfectly. Here's someone that came in last year, wanted to reunite with Buffalo. Uh, went in last season, it's kind of like a, a camp guy. Like, is he going to make it through camp? Is he going to make this roster? Not only did he make the roster, uh, he was kind of that stabilizing force uh, as the pass rusher for this team. He's always been good against the run. He was just a solid player, uh, especially when Von Miller went down. So I, I can see why the Bills would want to bring him back, especially on a team-friendly deal. Uh, a deal that does not impact the compensatory pick formula. But you said it. There's a laundry list of some really established pass rushers that are still sitting on the market. And shortly after the draft is in the books in early May, when you start signing these free agents that are still on the market, it no longer counts against the compensatory pick formula. So if the Bills were able to free up some money and maybe get enough to get a Frank Clark or a Yannick Ndokwe or one of those many players that you mentioned, it no longer affects getting a potential third-round pick next year for Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, it gives you another guy to come in here and compete and, and maybe give you a presence off the edge until Von Miller comes back. And, and then you're really cooking in terms of the, the, possible, uh, the possibilities, the, the different guys that you can have out there, especially with a Greg Rousseau who showed improvement, uh, put some of these young guys on the hot seat in terms of taking that next step. We talked, you know, you had a great piece on Boogie Basham recently, AJ Epinesa, some of these other guys. So uh, I don't think it takes them out of the veteran market whatsoever. Yeah, you mentioned Boogie Basham, and that was, uh, you know, a fun story to work on. Uh, when I was out in Phoenix at the owners' meetings, I sat down with Boogie for a lunch. We chatted for about like 90 minutes, and, and I put together a story. You can go read that over at Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. And it's interesting. Like my big takeaway from that is this is a guy that the reason, well, let me take it back. The reason I really set out to do this with him is because he's a guy that we really haven't heard much from, right? Like AJ Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, I feel like they've been in front of the cameras. They've been somebody that has been interviewed kind of on a weekly basis. Russo, obviously more so than even than Epinesa, but Boogie's kind of just been in the shadows, right? Like for a big chunk of his rookie season, he barely played. And then this past season, he was almost like fourth in the pecking order or fifth at, at one point. I mean, Shaq finished with the most snaps of any defensive end on the roster last year. So I thought, let me sit down with him, get it, get it, take his temperature about where he's at. And he's fully motivated, Ryan. Like that's what I came away from that conversation with. He knows this is a make or break year. It's been kind of slow moving, um, he, the, the marching orders that he received from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott was, all right, go back to the drawing board, work on your power. Because really when they asked him to get his body, uh, his weight down a little bit, the speed really started to show on tape. They went back and they watched some of his highlights and they liked what he was doing from a speed perspe perspective, but they want to see more of that power rusher that he was at Wake Forest. So that's what he's going to be focused in on. And this is a big season for him. It's a big season for AJ Epinesa. I'll be very interested to see depending on how the bills go in the draft and you know after the draft and into that fifth or fourth or fifth wave of free agency, if that doesn't mean that maybe they go in a different direction or if it's all in the line for Epinesa for sure. And then maybe even boogie account. Yeah. And you mentioned it, you know, getting the strength up for boogie Basham is the key this year. If you're one dimensional as a pass rusher, whether it's power or speed, uh, there's only so much you can do on a weekly basis. There's going to be a lot of tape on you and, and, offensive tackles are going to know how to play against you so if you can be versatile and you can show multiple different looks that's going to keep those offensive tackles on their heels which is something you pretty much alluded to in your story uh so i'm excited to see what he can do obviously it's a huge season for him for epinesa and for the bills as a whole obviously as uh, still a Super Bowl contender, but the AFC just keeps getting stronger and stronger as you, you look across at some of these teams, not just uh, the, the Chiefs and not just the Bengals, but even within the division, every team is getting stronger this time of year. Uh, the Bills reportedly bring in Latavius Murray, a veteran running back, a Syracuse grad, um, into for a free agent visit, which is interesting. Um, Latavius Murray is an interesting guy because – he keeps bouncing around the league and he spent time over the last couple of seasons on teams practice squads and then, you know, getting bounced up to the active roster. And whenever he does get bounced up, I mean, he's pretty productive. Mm. And so this is not a shock to me in the slightest. He's a guy that if you can get him in, if he wants to join a Super Bowl contender, have him in the mix, uh, compete, maybe even push a Naheem Hines for that third running back spot. I think this is a, uh, a very interesting move. And again, brings a little bit more of that physical 
bigger bodied running back to the picture. Uh, I, it wasn't surprising at all to see that they brought him in. No, UCF in, in college, but played high school in Syracuse, Syracuse sports hall of famer. Uh, you, you mentioned it, you know, he, he's been like this part-time bat for a good chunk of his career. I think 2015 was his pro bowl season where he rushed for over a thousand yards, but for a lot of his career, he's, he's been in a, a backfield where there's been other guys as well, but he's rushed for, uh, over 500 yards or more in eight consecutive seasons. So he's a guy that you can depend on someone that, uh, is tough between the tackles, someone that I, I know a lot of the. Uh, media kind of mentions the possibility in free agency before the Bills signed Damian Harris, but that shouldn't keep them from signing a, a Latavius Murray uh, if the price is right or if maybe the Bills say, hey, we want to bring you in uh, in the draft. We might take a guy mid-rounds, late-rounds, UDFA, whatever the case may be, but if we don't, you're another guy that we'd like to bring into camp. You know, they did it last year. They had a guy like Duke Johnson that came in and competed, ended up on the practice squad. That's where Murray was last year with the Saints before the Denver Broncos signed him. And once again, he was very effective in Denver. So still has a, a lot of juice left, still has a lot of tread on the tires, uh, despite being a, a guy that's rushed for 55 touchdowns and over 6,000 yards in his career. Uh, potential fit for the Bills for sure. And Harris is, he struggled to stay healthy over the course yeah. of his career. So, I mean, if you want that style of running back and you want to maybe you know, bank a little bit of extra uh, in terms of production in that mold of player, it makes a ton of sense. So uh, we'll keep a track tracking that. All right, let's get to the mock draft here, the main yeah. event, what everybody showed up here for tonight. So basically how this works, we've done this three straight seasons. Um, we'll try to be as vocal about the draft as it's happening. For those listening on the audio platform, we'll take you through each pick. After a few picks, we'll kind of, um, reset the deck a little bit and, and just talk through what I think we'll all be thinking as the draft is playing out and certain players are coming off the board. This is going to be a full simulation. So it's just based on pro football network. Shout out to them uh, for their great uh, mock simulator. Uh, we'll use them and uh, you know, however that ends up going, it's funny, Ryan, because you look around the lead or uh, the internet, the different experts, guys that I really trust, uh, folks that I read all the time, there's a varying opinion on a lot of different players. So I don't think there's any, you know, cookie cutter way to do a mock draft because it's really going to be the wild, wild west once this thing starts anyway. Yeah. In, in real life, in these mock drafts, it is the wild, wild west. There's guys that, uh, in some mock drafts that I've looked at on CBS, for instance, going in the twenties where on another site, they're going 10, 15, uh, it's kind of hard to figure out where a lot of these prospects are going to land. So that's, what's going to make this year's draft. That's that much more interesting. All right. The Carolina Panthers on the board at number one and you know, it's smoke season, Ryan, right? I don't know. A lot has come out about maybe the Panthers, you know, not knowing who, which quarterback they like, um, maybe even moving off of the quarterback train altogether. I saw some smoke there to me. That's just what it is. It feels like smoke. I don't think you trade into this spot unless you are convinced at one of these players going out and getting a franchise quarterback. Of course, you can make a deal and move back. We've seen you know aggressive teams uh, as recently as I think it was last season with the Philadelphia Eagles moving around a lot of different, or maybe it was the Miami Dolphins, I can't remember now, but being very active in the first round, trading around at different spots. You can do that, but I think, this makes a lot of sense. I think they ultimately landed a quarterback and Stroud is probably the odds on favorite. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And you don't trade up to number one, unless you have someone in mind, like you said, now could a team come in and wow them like the Texans at two. And, and we've seen this before where teams have moved up from three to two because they were afraid of someone either leapfrogging them or that team potentially taking a player. It's happened in the draft before. Uh, maybe a, a this huge, unbelievable multiple first round or second round picks kind of come along and you say, okay, I don't mind bumping down a spot because we like this guy and this guy. They're 1A, 1B, so to speak. Uh, but it has seemed like Stroud makes a lot of sense, just like number two here coming in makes sense for the Houston Texans. So Stroud goes off the board of Carolina. And number two, um, I think that card is going to get run up to the commissioner, Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that think he should probably be the first player off the board 
in this draft, depending on, you know, what's your flavor, CJ Stroud, a little bit more of a, you know, tactical player inside the pocket, young, a little bit more of a creator, a little bit undersized, uh, maybe a little bit more arm strength. We will see. Uh, but I think Stroud young is probably if you're, if you're going by the betting odds, what most people are running their ticket to the, to the um, odds makers or their apps, whatever, however you bet these days. And that's probably the most likely scenario. Yeah, I agree with that. There was a time where there's a lot of talk about Anthony Richardson kind of jumping into the conversation, uh, as of late, now there's a lot of talk about uh, Hendon Hooker being the number three quarterback in this draft. But one, two, I think Stroud Young is, is kind of the order that we're anticipating here. So number three, the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. And this is where I think the draft gets super interesting. First of all, I think there's a bunch of teams in the mix to maybe trade into this spot and get a quarterback, whether it be Anthony Richardson, uh, Will Levis is out there. And actually I'm putting up a mock draft either later tonight or tomorrow. It's a seven round bills mock draft. So check out for that. And one thing that's already decided is that Levis falls in the draft, right? So there's always like, we go into these drafts and like, you know, we see these names in the top 10 and Sometimes I feel like we're not expecting the curveball. I mean, go back 20 years, Aaron Rodgers, right? Everybody thought he was going to be an early round pick, ends up going in the 20s. So I have Levis on the board when the Bills pick at 27, and the Rams end up trading into that spot to come up and get their quarterback of the future in Levis, giving the Bills their second uh, and third round draft picks. Um, so we'll get in. That, that's a side note, and I can maybe mention it at the end here. But this pick in, in particular is where I think it's so interesting because I think if the Cardinals do – Sit and pick, Ryan. Do you think that Will Anderson is the no doubt about it pick here? Or do you think maybe Miles Murphy seems like a little bit of a stretch? I think he's a top 10 potential player, but that seems like a little bit early. I think Tyree Wilson is actually really in the mix here if Arizona sticks and picks. Murphy's does seem like a little bit of a stretch there. And, you know, going even back to January, there's a lot of talk about Will Anderson being the, the clear-cut top defensive player or one of the top defensive players. But we've seen enough in the, in the history of the draft to know that it's not always that simple where the guy that you expect to go first on the defensive side of the ball goes first. Uh, I think Will Anderson is one of – if I think he is the most talented defensive player in this year's draft class personally. But it, it's no guarantee he goes three. I, I, I do like his odds of going at that point a lot better than Miles Murphy. Uh, but that's just it. This is the beauty of the draft. One team falls in love with the players upside, the intangibles, what they think that player can be. And, and we've seen it before. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes uh, players that we don't expect go off the board a lot sooner. Or in, in the case of the Aaron Rodgers that you mentioned, players fall. I, I can't even tell you how many times. Uh, I saw mock drafts last year that had Malik Willis as a first round pick. Mm. And you saw how far he tumbled last year. Um, Desmond Ritter was kind of always hovering around late first round second. And he kind of, he fell last year too. So prospects, regardless of the position, there are guys that tumble a lot further down than what mock drafts thought. And, and there are certainly players that go a lot higher as well. The, the top 10 is so interesting from a quarterback perspective, because if you look at it, four, five, six, seven, eight, all of those teams could hypothetically draft a quarterback, right? Like right. the Seahawks signed Geno Smith, but it's not a long-term deal. They can get out of it eventually. And they could draft a quarterback to develop the lions have Jared Goff, but again, same situation, Jimmy G the Falcons. I mean, they don't really have much of anything and maybe they want to go um, in on a, a quarterback of the future. Uh, the bears obviously have just Justin Fields, So four through eight, but, any of those teams can choose to go the quarterback route or continue to develop or to, you know, build the stock, the cupboards, and then, you know, maybe wait uh, for another year or later in the draft, depending on how this thing shakes out. Cause as we sit here right now with just Stroud and young off the board, you figure the Colts are going to take a quarterback in Anthony Richardson, but you know, you never know. No, you don't. And while you're making that pick, you know, of those teams that you mentioned, four through eight, I think that this is the year the Lions have to take a quarterback. I think Jared Goff had a really good season for them this past year. But I also think this roster is loaded in Detroit, and it's been a long time since they've been able to say that. Uh, and if they can get their quarterback this year, the future is going to be so bright for this team. If, if they stick with Goff, they can be in that eight to ten win conversation. Uh, but they might be capping their ceiling. So this is one of those years where this is a team that's at, at number six. I'm not sure they're going to be in that range again anytime soon. 
uh, because of the talent, because of the coaching. Uh, so this is the year where if there if there's a team that I think in that range needs to take one, it's definitely the Lions. So Anthony Richardson does come off the board at number four. Uh, they're going to develop a young quarterback there, maybe the guy with the the, the tallest ceiling in the draft. Um, maybe you know. Uh, not a great floor. I mean, this is somebody that you're going to have to develop quite a bit. I mean, the arm strength is there, the mobility, the, um, you know, creativity potential is definitely there, but probably the rawest of the, you know, top tier quarterbacks in this draft. But I mean, Anthony Richardson, and the Colts, I mean, I think is there, that's about as linked as Bryce Young is to the Texans or Stroud is to the Panthers. I feel like, you know, Richardson feels like a, a foregone conclusion at four at this point. And you need to get your quarterbacks. It, you can't win in this league without an elite quarterback. And yes, there are questions about Richardson, um, you know, for every Josh Allen in terms of the, the raw potential, the intangibles, the skill set. there's a Zach Wilson there. There's other guys that just don't pan out. There's guys that are kind of somewhere in the middle there as well. So uh, I would have no problem though, with the Colts rolling the dice because if Richardson, puts it all together that again, they're, they're hitting the jackpot at five. The Seahawks get um, Georgia defensive tackle uh, Dalen Carter, who, you know, two months ago, most people would have said maybe could have been the top pick in this, in this class. And who knows, maybe, you know, we're still early in the process um, or we're still quite a ways away from the e the end of the process, I should say. And you never know what's going to happen, but I feel like from everything you know, you read about uh, him and some of the off the field stuff that might get kind of um, intertwined here as we lead up to the draft. It wouldn't surprise me if he falls out of the top five at this point. Any result for Carter to me feels like it could happen, but it's something like the talent is so high. You only get a chance to draft defensive linemen with this kind of upside every so often. And if you're the Seahawks who are coming off of a, you know, a playoff year last year when they traded Russell Wilson and obviously got some of the, you know, that draft capital, this is a time to really cash in on that. And I feel like Jalen Carter at this point in the draft, you're definitely getting um, arguably the best player in the draft. You could probably make an argument for Will Anderson jr. Here as well. You could, you could make a case for either. And with the top three quarterbacks off the board, I, I think that shifting gears for the Seahawks rather than reaching uh, for a quarterback at this point now, it, it makes sense. And you mentioned it, you know, there was a time where they, they talked about him as being the best defensive prospect, someone that a team could even trade up for in, in the top two, top three, um, where this is supposed to be a very heavy quarterback early on. Value-wise, it makes a lot of sense for the Seahawks. So, all right, Carter off the board. The Lions at number six go with Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. Uh, probably the consensus top CB, and it makes sense for Detroit because they just dealt um, Jeff Akuda to the Atlanta Falcons, which probably takes them out of the CB market here at eight in two picks. But Gonzalez goes at six, and listen, if you could find a potential shutdown corner, you know, this is usually the range where those guys are going to go. It is. And I believe the Lions have another first round pick around 18. Is that correct? They do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I love the pick there at six in terms of the value, the guys that are still on the board. Uh, but in terms of a need, in terms of who they just traded, uh, former top three pick in Okuda. Uh, I, I certainly understand the rationale behind it. I would think that cornerback is going to be one of their priorities in the first round. Yeah, they'd probably go Anderson here if this isn't a simulation. I mean, if you get the arguably the best edge rusher in the class at six, I mean, you're probably running at that opportunity. Um, I actually think if Carter or Anderson fall to six, it's going to be uh, no doubt about it for, for Dan Campbell. But it's a sim, and we have to move on because we want to get to this scenario. As the scenarios build for the Bills, Paris Johnson at seven to the Raiders, and I really like this pick in terms of it actually happening for the most part if you've if you've gone through like mock season if it goes back to you know combine pre-combine peter skronsky out of um northwestern who is the tackle who a lot of people experts are projecting to be a guard at the next level with maybe his best fit he's been the first offensive lineman off the board yeah. i feel like paris johnson could 
maybe slot ahead of him because of the position he plays. And you know, he's going to be a left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I, I like this. And, you know, you mentioned Jimmy G is the quarterback there. Uh, not a guy that you want to have as your long-term starter, but he has the relationship with Josh McDaniels. Um, I, I think you can get by with that for a few seasons. You can always, um, you, you could do a lot worse than Jimmy G, kind of that game manager. Uh, Talent-wise, though, Paris Johnson, good choice for the Raiders. Uh, question in the chat, how did the Lions get a pick so high? It came from the Rams in the, uh, I of believe course. it was the... Uh, Jared Goff deal, the Jared Goff Stafford deal. So there you go. Um, the Detroit Lions just stocking the cupboards. Uh, smart, uh, smart deal all across. But it was a smart deal for the Rams too. I mean, they ended up having a Super Bowl caliber quarterback that played big for them in the fourth. Got got them a ring. So there you have it. Um, all right, next pick. The Falcons at eight go with Tyree Wilson. Uh, who, depending on who you talk to, there is mounting. I was just listening to Chris Sims the other day, his podcast, and he always has. If you listen to his draft coverage, he makes it a point not to to watch any of the um, draft coverage, like from uh, you know reading articles, reading scouting reports. He puts on the tape, and then he does his show. And he's got Tyree Wilson considerably higher than Will Anderson on his mm-hmm. board. He thinks he is the top edge rusher, no bones about it, in this draft. And I feel like if you're the Falcons, those are the kind of picks that you want in the top 10. A potential best in class, best in show there. And Tyree Wilson at eight is tremendous value. And even if there's not a need, I don't I don't have the needs up here. And we can actually go off of, um, they have edge listed as their third need, obviously, offensive line. Uh, still something they got to build there in Atlanta. But I think Tyree Wilson here, you got to love the pick if you're the Falcons. Wilson or Anderson, uh, you can't go wrong depending on who the team has higher on their board. Again, if they're sitting there at eight and either or both of them are sitting there, I'm sure Atlanta would be thrilled. This is a huge spot here because I think in my mock, I ended up having nine Jalen Carter fell to that spot. And that's really good news for the bears. If that happens because their defensive line, Ryan, I was looking at it for doing, I did a bears pod a couple weeks ago. They wanted to ask me about Tremaine Edmonds. And I'm like, man, it's not going to probably look the same as it did this past year, because there's nobody in front of Tremaine Edmonds. That defensive line might be the worst in the NFL. So getting a, you know, blue chipper on that unit has to be a priority. If the, if the, if the bears can land somebody at this nine spot makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they could go off and they could look for more weapons for Justin Fields. But I think you made a great point. If you want Edmonds to play anything like he did in Buffalo this past season, uh, being able to, to kind of fly around the field, uh, show off his coverage skills as well. You need some help in front of him. And, and a guy like Will Anderson does that. I don't know about this one here at number 10 for Philadelphia. They just went with uh, Jordan Davis last year. Uh, this mock has him going Brian Brisset, uh defensive tackle uh, from Clemson. And listen, they like building on the lines. I mean, Howie Roseman has not been apologetic about that in the, in the least. He wants to, you know, really affect the quarterback and then be able to block for the quarterback on the other side. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just think like you look at some of the options on the offensive line, uh, maybe a Lucas Van Ness, um, uh, a Nolan Smith still on the board with a lot of upside. Uh, I'm not sure, but who knows? This could be a pick that ends up happening. Yeah, and an offensive line, like you mentioned, would be a good choice as well for them. But I think this is the sneaky Bijan Robinson spot. This is the spot where they can go out and get him and all those months of talk about him falling potentially to the pills uh, will look kind of silly, but I think he makes a lot of sense for the Eagles, this team that was in the Super Bowl one year ago. Uh, get someone that makes your offense that much more dangerous. Taylor Lewan is out in Tennessee, so they're in the market for a new left tackle. They get it, the Titans at 11. Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. Um, so interestingly enough, we're sitting here at 11, and I think there's potential, Ryan, for there to be three offensive linemen at the bo- off the board at this point in the in the real life draft. And you know, we we mentioned Skaronsky earlier in the in the program. He's a top ten caliber player, whether he plays on the interior or the exterior. I mean, getting him maybe at twelve here 
for the Texans. That could be a really nice move too. I know they wouldn't need receivers. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba has been uh, mocked to uh, Houston quite a bit during this process, but man, Skaronsky makes a lot of sense. And Oh, by the way, they go Brian branch. So <laughs> they're not listening so, to, to the shout show tonight. Yeah. Brother Jones like him at for the Tennessee Titans. First of all, another uh, one of the top offensive linemen in this draft, you know, branch, I guess here's the rationale. This is an extremely weak safety draft. Uh, if you want to get someone that can be a difference maker, you got to do it early. Uh, get the best safety in Brian Branch. I understand it, but uh, I also understood your rationale as well, and I think yours makes a little more sense. People are like, hurry up. Sorry. I mean, we're, 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 we're talking through it, everybody. Everybody keep your pants on a little bit here. All right, Peter Skaronsky off the board at 13. The Jets uh, go offensive linemen. And listen, there's a lot of different things. The Jets are kind of, you know, they got a lot of players on their offensive line. They're gathering here. Uh, last year with Elijah Vera Tucker, Makai Becton is still somebody that they're hoping to develop. Adding Skaronsky with his kind of versatility, you'd really like that pick for the Jets as they try to build for what you think is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, uh, Anthony's clapping down here, our, our producer. He's, he likes the pick for the Jets. Uh, makes a lot of sense for the Jets if Aaron Rodgers ever ends up showing up there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see whenever that happens. But uh, it seems like, again, you want to protect that investment. You have some playmakers on both sides of the ball. Uh, get that offensive line to be just as good as, as their, you know, their defensive line and their and, and other positions they already have ready to go to contend not only the AFC C East, but also in the AFC in general. Skronsky makes a great amount of sense for them. Yep. And then at number 14, the Patriots could go in a, a multitude of directions here. Uh, Devin Witherspoon uh, from cornerback from Illinois. Uh, I wonder if that, uh, any consideration there, but they end up going Jackson Smith in Jigba. Uh, I don't know about this pick here, Ryan, because they just went out and they signed Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think that this might be a little bit of a duplicate in terms of what I think Smith and Jigba, they're going to ask him to do. I think he could do it at a higher level than Juju. And I think Juju can play on the outside. I don't think he's just a slot receiver, but that's where he's kind of been used best. 85% of the snaps for Smith and Jigba, uh, I believe, is the stat uh, out of the slot while he was at Ohio State. Yeah, if I'm a Bills or a Dolphins fan and I see Skaronsky and Smith and Jigba go back-to-back to AFC East teams, I'd, I'd be upset if I were a fan of those two fan bases because these are great players. Uh, Smith and Jigba, definitely a, a higher ceiling than Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, although he had a really nice season in, in Pittsburgh way back when, and he was a fine contributor last year in KC. Uh, maybe they're looking for the future and thinking long-term with Smith and Jigba, but top, you know, consensus, I would say, top receiver in this draft. So I, I understand that you want to get some weapons in there. For sure. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see where, Smith and Jigba goes because the Bills, obviously, and we could maybe talk about this for a quick minute here. The Bills have been very wide receiver heavy in terms of their top 30 visits. I mean, yeah. some of the top guys uh, on the market, Smith and Jigba, uh, and you could clarify here, maybe some of those are just um, interviews and not uh, actually coming to Buffalo. I saw Smith and Jigba in your story, Zay yes. Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt. So really all the big uh, players at the position. The Bills are getting to know them a little bit more. And then obviously there was that report from Matt Miller of ESPN that the Bills um, are interested in trading up in the draft. I, I'm always like, I, I respect Matt Miller a lot. I think he does a good job. I'm not uh, saying that he's wrong, but I always kind of uh, look at those kind of reports with a little bit of an eye roll just because the Bills do such a great job of keeping their strategy in house. I mean, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott go out of their way to make sure that that happens. So, I don't know, unless calls have been made. Um, but I, I don't even see that as happening, Ryan, because th that kind of move up is probably going to happen more on draft night or draft day as they kind of move closer to this thing. Yeah, and, and it, you do take everything with a grain of salt this time of year. When it comes to the Bills, 
Uh, I think that Brandon Bean is going to be open for business on on the night one in terms of both directions, moving up or trading back. He's he's not going to say it's going to be this way or bust or this way or uh, nothing at all. He, he's going to look and see his first the players that his first round grades on is and as it inches toward maybe pick 20, 21. If one of them that he's really targeting is still available, maybe that is when you make a trade up. Uh, but th- that's the tough part of being at pick 27 is I- I'm guessing the bills will probably come into this with 15, 16 guys with the first round grade. Uh, I'm not sure they would, they'll even grade the quarterbacks just because uh, like the first round quarterbacks are counting them because they have Josh Allen. They're not looking for a guy in round one. So that's why I'm, I'm keeping the number relatively low there at 15, 16. So I, I think a trade down though is definitely in play as well. Um, hard to say though, that the bills have their mind made up on trading up for sure. Um, sorry if you said this, I was loading up the next pick. Do you think 14, like this range here, Smith and Jigba, if there's real interest from the bill side that the, that Brandon Bean is willing to move up that high to get him for that skill set, what he brings to the table. No, and not a knock on Smith and Jigba or any of the other wide receivers in this draft class. I don't think Reggie, see Reggie agrees with me. Uh, I don't really think there's any any guys that have that dog in them. There you go. Transition it to Reggie. Uh, that yeah. guy that's a clear-cut yeah, right number one wide receiver uh, in, in this year's draft. So, no, 14 range, way too high, 15 range. Uh, like I said, I think you have to get to the, the 20s, the, the early 20s before you see the Bills uh, look to trade up because – with all the big contracts the Bills have on the books this year and the next few years, uh, they need these draft picks. And if you make a jump that high, you're going to be giving up valuable assets this year and next year. So 15, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback uh, from Illinois, ends up going to the Washington Commanders. I think they love that pick if they get him there, potential starter um, uh, for a long time. 16, Green Bay. It's interesting because I think Green Bay has a bunch of different things they could do. Um, they go Jordan Addison here, which I think two months ago, this would have been probably viewed as a, as a huge win for green Bay a guy that was expected to be the first wide receiver off the board. Now this feels really early for Addison, but again, this might be where the run happens. And I don't know if this is too early. And I think because of the importance of the position teams that have the need are going to be more willing to pull the trigger in this range just because of, hey, listen, if, if we like a guy and we think that he that he can hit, maybe if it's not even a first-round hit, we're willing to you know use the pick here as opposed to a lot of people are, are mocking like the first tight end off the board in this range, whether it be to New England or, or Green Bay or maybe even Detroit at 18. I think teams might think, all right, I like the idea of the tight end here, but I also really like the idea of wide receiver if it's somebody that's going to be my wide receiver one or wide receiver two of the future. And, and let me just say, not because of the talent, this would be a hilarious pick for the Green Bay Packers because the last time they've selected a wide receiver in round one was 2002 with Javon Walker. Uh, and just I, I want to say the last five or six years, every mock draft with the Packers, they've said Aaron Rodgers wants help, and a lot of them have link the Packers to wide receivers and they never go that route. So, you know, he might still be under contract on night one of the, the draft of the Packers, but he's as good as gone as we all know. Uh, it, it would just be pretty funny if they spend this first round pick and it's for Jordan Love and who do they get a wide receiver for the guy. And listen, Addison, I think we kind of nitpick um, these last few months leading up to the draft and going into the combine going into all of the everything after the end of the season he was kind of the consensus top wide receiver um he was a former Blitnikoff winner great at pit really good season last year at usc i think that'd be an outstanding pick for the green bay packers all right at 17 the pittsburgh steelers are already uh getting off the kenny pickett train and they're drafting will levis i don't see this happening uh <laughs> but it's the sim and we got to go by it um, there goes my, uh, fun idea though. Uh, and I'm still going to use it for my story tomorrow. So make sure you go and read it at New York upstate and Syracuse.com with Levis falling into, uh, the 27th pick. So the bills can trade out of it at 18. This is interesting. Dalton Kincaid makes a lot of sense to the Detroit lions because 
They obviously traded TJ Hawkinson last year. Kincaid is arguably the best tight end in this class. There's even whispers of the Travis Kelsey comp. Obviously coming off of the back injury, which I think is a concern and could push him down despite the fact that uh, he, he received a doctor's note, reportedly, that is sent around to the NFL teams uh, right before the draft, conveniently. Uh, but uh, thoughts on Levis and Kincaid here? Um, I don't think either makes a lot of sense. I know Kincaid is the consensus top tight end, but you just mentioned they traded away a really good tight end last year to Minnesota. And um, I'm not sure that's the route that the Lions would want to go here at 18 in a very deep tight end draft. Uh, Kincaid might be the top tier guy, but I I think the Lions get a really good tight end in this year's draft in round two, three, four, maybe even round five. That's how deep this year's draft is at tight end. Yes, not Kincaid level necessarily. Uh, So I'm not sure I get that one. Will Levis makes absolutely no sense with Kenny Pickett there. Uh, But you said it. These are the simulators. This is what happens sometimes. Uh, So, you know, we'll we'll just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Here at 19, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who – also could maybe shake things up in the draft that they like uh, really fall in love with Hendon Hooker uh, or one of the quarterbacks here at 19. If a few are hanging around, the Sim has them taking Isaiah Foskey, uh, edge rusher who, you know, the more you look at mock drafts, he seems to be sneaking in a couple more. Uh, hasn't been uh, a mainstay in the mocks throughout the draft process, but an interesting prospect. You're obviously familiar with all the Notre Dame guys. What yeah. do you think of him? Do you feel like he's a first round talent? I think he's a, a late first round or early day two pick. And that's the beauty of the draft. There's been a lot of guys over the last five, 10 years where I thought they were borderline first or more of a second. And some have gone earlier than others. Some have gone later than others. Uh, it just takes one team to love a player like that. But Foskey definitely has the uh, intangibles that you're looking for. So I could certainly see him being in play around this point in the draft. So after that, uh, Lucas Van Ness, the uh, edge rusher, potential interior player, uh, nicknamed Hercules out of Iowa, goes at number 20 to the Seattle Seahawks, which is interesting because they took Jalen Carter earlier in the draft, so really building up that defensive line with those two picks. Here's the thing now, Ryan. So we're getting closer to the Bills pick. One, two, three, four, five, six picks before the Bills pick. And there's a couple of names here that have been mainstays in the conversation, right? Zay Flowers, yeah. we mentioned it earlier, he's visiting Buffalo. Uh, Darnell Wright, same thing, top 30 visit, tackle out of Tennessee. Nolan Smith is like a freak of nature, right? Like he's like <laughs> all the measurables I feel like the Bills could fall in love with. Chad Reuter, actually from NFL.com, in his latest mock draft, a four-rounder, he had the Bills trading up to 20 to take Nolan Smith. And I put that out a couple of days ago just to see what the reaction would be. Very interesting. Uh, tight end Michael Mayer uh, is on the board and obviously B. John Robinson. So there is a, a, a bunch of guys here in this range. You mentioned it. This could be the range where Brandon Bean starts to really take a an honest look at what's available on the board and if he wants to move up. My question is, with Smith and Jigba off the board, is there a player worth the move, in your opinion? Um, At wide receiver, I don't think there's someone worth the move up at this point. I'm a, I'm a huge Zay Flowers fan. Let me say that first and foremost. And if uh, he falls to 27, the Bills take him. I think it's a great pick. But I'm not sure he's someone you need to go up and, and go get. But very good route runner. Darnell Wright, though, would definitely be a, a person that I would be considering at this point. The Bills really haven't done much in terms of serious competition for right tackle. Uh, he's someone that I would actually favor to win the job outright, make Spencer Brown a swing tackle on this team. And all of a sudden Josh Allen's offensive line is looking a lot better. Uh, maybe the best O line that he's had since coming to Buffalo and that saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I should say that's not saying it much because of uh, some of the, the lineups they've kind of rolled out in front of him. But I think that the upside would be there, but no, in terms of the wide receiver, uh, I'm okay staying put. I, I do see here real quick, uh, Lucas Van Ness, I, I just wanted to say real fast, I don't know if it's a hot take. I wouldn't be shocked if he was a top 10 pick in this year's draft. I, I have him in yep. that 10-12 range, um, so to see him fall to 20, even though they they went that you know edge earlier in this simulation, he would be a great value pick. Quentin Johnston, uh, interesting that we haven't heard the Bills have a top 30 with him, considering all the other top receivers have drawn interest. Uh, Johnston is someone that is a 
big time athlete. There are questions about whether being an athlete transitions over to being a great wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, but at pick 21 for the Chargers, Quentin Johnston, um, it seems like a slam dunk type of, type of pick. See, I don't know if this is the direction that they're going to go. I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I think they need for Justin Herbert in that offense is more speed. And I think Johnston, while he's fast, he ran a 4-4-9, I believe. To me, it makes more sense to go with maybe a Jalen Hyatt or trade down or look you know, for another pick and maybe hope to come back in the second round and go and get that speed. Even a guy like um, who uh, Tank Dell, what did he run? He ran like a fourth sub 4-4, four, four, right? 4-4-2 four, four, maybe? There. Somewhere around yeah, there. So, undersized yeah, guy, but not. someone round two, round three, you could definitely get. So, yeah, it, it might be something where they're all saying, though, um, let's get the best guy available because, you know, Mike Williams, back injuries, Keenan Allen getting a little bit older, uh, get, you know, get who we have highest on our board. So Johnson could be certainly in play there. But, yeah, you know, speed like high, it makes a lot of sense for this team, too. All right, let's keep this thing going. Johnston off the board. couple of really good players. Keely Ringo, cornerback out of Georgia. Surprise, Joey Porter Jr. is still on the board. And Ringo goes before him, even – What's interesting, like usually these simulations, the player that's ranked higher probably goes before. But interestingly enough, this is a bit of a curveball with Ringo going before Porter Jr. Yeah, I, you know, seeing Porter Jr. still there. I mean, I, I've even seen uh, Banks as a guy that's kind of been rising on a lot of these mock drafts. Um, Ringo's a, a fine player, a good player, but some of the, again, it's a simulation. Some of these picks, though, have, have been pretty interesting in terms of the position, and then the player, obviously, as well. All right, so let's there get these go. next two. We mentioned Joey Porter goes to – I think it, Minnesota's got a lot of work to do on that defense. Uh, we get a little mini run on corner. And honestly, Ryan, this is playing out perfectly for the Bills. Yeah. I mean, a run on corner a year after they took their corner in the first round in Kyer Elam, uh, Joey Porter Jr., 23 to Minnesota. The Jacksonville Jaguars take uh, Deontay Banks, you just mentioned him, cornerback out of Maryland. Now we're sitting here two picks away from the Bills pick. And I think the Giants are going to be like that real thorn in the side of the Bills, right? They're building <laughs> that thing in the image of what the Bills want to yeah. be. They obviously have the same kind of philosophy in the scouting rooms and the conversations that they're having. So I think the Bills looking here – they're going to probably be sitting there. If there's not two or three guys that they have in a similar boat, they might try to get aggressive and maybe Brandon Bean calls up his old friend, uh, Joe Shane, hoping that the guy that he really wants, if that's the case, he can get up and get him. Yeah. And to move from 27 to 25 wouldn't cost a great deal. Uh, if the giants have a few guys that they like it, I could see them moving back there. And in the draft, it's all about relationships. You see a lot of these teams that have prior relationships with the coaches, the front office members, uh, that are willing to work out these deals. So if the Bills did fall in love with a prospect, this would be a good trade partner. Uh, but you also mentioned they're kind of building it up like Buffalo, so this could be a, someone that maybe the Bills had on their board. Well, apparently they're going to trade Saquon Barkley to the Bills because they're taking B. John Robinson at 25. <laughs> Somebody's aggregating that right now, Ryan. Yeah, New York yeah, upgrades. Right. Ryan Talbot says that the Bill or the <laughs> Giants are trading Saquon Barkley. No, Barkley is reportedly not signing his franchise uh, deal. I imagine that ends up working out. But listen, this isn't like crazy, right? Like if the if if Bijan Robinson falls to twenty five, and what he could possibly be, they saw what you know the blueprint was to setting up Daniel Jones for success. And if maybe you don't want to pay Saquon long-term, this isn't crazy town for, for them to take Robinson here. Not, not crazy town, but we, we you know, it, it would be a tough sell. I think um, knowing how much the, the fan base, I think the fan base still loves Barkley. We saw how, how he is when he's healthy. And I know health has been an issue uh, this past year was, it was kind of reminiscent of uh, the first year where he kind of uh, took the league by storm as, as a lot of people expected, but it would be interesting in the fact that yes, they got a game changer at running back, but man, they're going to have trouble uh, getting good value in return for Saquon Barkley, because you're not going to have both of them on your roster. I wouldn't think. Um, so you're kind of really handcuffing yourself in terms of the value you're going to get back. All right. 
let's get this thing moving along here. Let's see who Dallas takes, and then the Bills will be on the board. I think you're if you're the Bills, you're sitting pretty, and they take another cornerback in Cam Smith. I don't know if this thing could have uh, worked out any better. Let's take a couple mm. look. Take a look at a couple of the offers. It's a nice little offer here. Uh, the, uh, the Chiefs are offering thirty-one and ninety-five to move up uh, to twenty-seven. Uh, you only have to give up 205. The problem here, Ryan, is that trade offer comes in and you're the Bills. You're not moving yeah. any mountains to give the Kansas City uh, a pick at, at somebody, obviously, right. that they're hoping that they can get. Um, 35 and 106. So that's a fourth round pick to move back eight spots. I don't know if I love that idea yeah. because eight spots, Ryan, that's. That's that's kind of quite a bit when you it, look at the players that are left. And and wasn't the what was the Chiefs one again? The Chiefs was like ninety one or ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. So I so, think that that's just on the that might be right. just at the end of the third, right? Yeah, it might be right at the end there. And so you're not getting good value with the Colts offer. And you know Bradley Roby, we've talked about him a lot on the show and in over the years. I don't really love that idea either. Um, it, of the three. Oh, there you go. Counter it. What do you think about that? Um, to move back yeah, to spot I mean, at 71? That, yeah, I was going to say, that would be insane value if you could get that. But of those three offers, I, I would strongly consider Kansas City's. Um, but again, this is a team that, in my opinion, leapfrogged Buffalo last year to get Trent McDuffie. This is a team that you're competing against to try to defeat in the AFC Championship or maybe the round before that now with the Bengals being a legitimate threat uh, in the conference. So you might not even, you might have to face them earlier than the championship. It, it would be tough, but you, you'd look and see, okay, who are they targeting? What do they need? Do they match up with what we need? And, and yeah, it might be a wide receiver. It might be something where you could take the best player, um, but maybe in this case, staying there for, with uh, 27 is in the best interest of the Bills. If the Chiefs are on the phone to call up to 27, it's probably for Nolan Smith. Right. I mean, an edge rusher that they can add uh, a developmental player, probably somebody that some people think to your comment earlier about Van Ness could be a top 10 player in this draft mm. could be for Jalen Hyatt could be to get add some crazy speed to the mix. Zay Flowers is obviously out there. Um, here's a question on Darnell Wright, and we'll we'll eventually land on what we think the bill should do at this spot. Did you see the um, the little bit of an uproar there that ended kind of okay a couple days ago yeah. where he kind of got in a, a, a draft analyst dms to tell him that he didn't know anything because he never played <laughs> football or something like that and he ended up apologizing for it and just saying he you know he just you know i think it was a, he should stay on the right side and not play left side um but yeah do you ding him at all for that do you think that could cause a little bit of a slide or do you think that's something that teams view as ah oh, once we get him in the building that won't be a problem I think it's the latter in this case. I mean, we, we've seen some weird things around draft season where players have plummeted. Uh, I don't think that's enough to make you plummet, especially late in the first round where I think you, you have really good value in, in right. So, no, I don't think it'll end up costing him at the end of the day. Definitely a learning, uh, a lesson learned for him. Uh, I'm sure his agent was calling within <laughs> minutes or seconds of that uh, DM conversation being made public. But it all's well that ends well, and – um, you know, in the NFL, I think he is a right tackle or a guard. He, he only had two starts at guard in college, but he is someone that I could see being a star at guard as well, but definitely someone that I would, uh, be playing at right tackle until the wheels fell off, so to speak. All right. I'll start us off here. Uh, I am going to say that the pick here at 27, if the bills stick and pick Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia, I wasn't necessarily on board with the Chad Reuter idea of moving up eight spots to go get him, but if a talent like this falls, and I know like 6'2", 238, you probably look at that and you're like, oh, it's a little bit of a, a smaller player, but you know that Raz score, one of the things that you consistently see on his scouting reports is the bendability. The, you see it right here, the rare quickness coming off of the edge. I not only think that you have to think about, all right, what is what do things look like early on in the season without potentially Von Miller for a stretch, but also then what it looks like after Von Miller, right? And if you can build, if you could find a, a, a real piece to develop, and I know Rousseau is kind of that piece um, right now, 
but and somebody says sounds like a squirt rusher, um, maybe a little guy, right? Bob Miller's not very big either. And so I think that sometimes having that, you know, he's a very young player. They, they love that piece of it as well. There's some really nice offensive pieces here. And I know a lot of Bills fans are offense or bust here at this spot, but I just think the value there with Smith and maybe a couple other of the Van Ness falls or, or something to that uh, magnitude, it should at least be in the consideration. So I'm throwing it out there. And I get that. And I, and I agree with all the points that you raised. I agree that they're always trying to improve the pass rush. Uh, they've had some um, uh, very mixed results, more bad than good so far. Um, I, I see where you're coming from with it. I like the idea of Nolan Smith being the maybe heir apparent to Von Miller. Learn from Von Miller. You're going to be a man short for a portion of the season with Miller recovering from the ACL. Um, with all that said, for me, it's Darnell Wright. Uh, I sit there and I think of what Brandon Bean said at, at the end of the season. We've got to do a better job of protecting our, our franchise quarterback. Uh, as much as he has said that all the all the right things about Spencer Brown, and I feel like he got better as the year went on, and he raised some valid points about not playing his senior season, the back injury. Uh, I look at the back injury as a red flag. This is a large, large man, Spencer Brown, that is. Uh, and he's already having some serious back injuries. Um, that's not someone you want to count on to be – one of your cornerstones, one of your tackles that are protecting Josh Allen. So I, I look at Darnell Wright and I say, okay, that's that's a potential franchise right tackle. I think the value, just like Nolan Smith, is off the charts at this point. Um, I, I make Spencer Brown my swing tackle, and, and we're really in business when it comes to uh, maybe being able to be more physical at the point next year, uh, protecting Allen, getting the run game get better, giving Allen more time to scan the field. And if he has more time to scan the field, that helps obviously all the pass catchers that are currently on this roster and maybe some other weapons that the team would add in round two, round three, et cetera. So if we go offensive route, right, I liked, I liked the, the right idea. Um, I think that um, from a talent perspective, the, the, questions that you have with Spencer Brown. And one of the questions in the chat is, all right, what do you do with Spencer Brown then? I think you do a multitude of things, right? Like, I don't know necessarily how he projects on the interior. I almost wonder if guys that are that tall, like you saw Tommy Doyle try to do it and you wonder how he handled it. He ends up, uh, you know, blowing, uh, I think it was an ACL there, uh, right? Was it an ACL? Yeah, he was playing through that for like, uh, yeah, I, I believe it was ACL, and he played through that Miami game, those final few snaps because they were down to no linemen, literally. But yeah, I mean, right. it, it didn't end well. So I just don't know if from a from just like it, it is a reason why it's rare to to have guys that big play on the inside. Not saying that it can't be done, and maybe they they look at that and say maybe Spencer Brown for whatever struggles he had at tackle, you know. Maybe it makes sense to move him on the inside. And you've had two seasons now with him. Um, he's, you know, given you enough tape to make that decision. Um, so I like the idea. If you were to go a different direction on offense, I think it's an interesting conversation. They're bringing in Darnell Washington, who, um, funny enough, had a little bit of a. He's Instagram, off my board. <laughs> Instagram post. He shared a, a picture on Instagram of Buffalo. It was like a. It looked like a broken down house. Yeah, like a shanty. It was like a shanty. Yeah. And it looked like In a scene middle from Mad nowhere. Max. Yeah. And at the bottom, it just said Buffalo, New York. <laughs> it's like, that is like the least Buffalo picture of all time. It, it reminds me of like when, when Tom Brady years ago came to town and said, oh, there's nothing to do in Buffalo, right? Like, it's just a bunch of, you know. Uh, I don't know what he said. What did he call it? Cowtown or something like that? I can't uh, remember. He, he, I don't know. He made fun of the hotels at one point. Then you have that uh, Scott Zolak that comes in from the Patriots meet, and he always takes the worst possible pictures of Buffalo and posts them on his social media. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not serious when I say I'm taking them off the board, obviously. Uh, but what you know, you know, what are you thinking? Where this is a team that might draft you or could be in consideration to draft you late in round one, early round two if they trade back. And that's the picture you share of Buffalo. Gabe Davis shared it with a bunch of uh, laughing emojis. So at least some of the players got a kick out of it. But yeah, uh, that that was definitely an interesting uh, picture for him to choose. You know, the Zay Flowers thing to me is the most interesting because 
you can totally buy into the Darnell Washington hype train here because of the measurables. He's an athletic freak. He can probably help you in the run game. He He's kind of this piece of moldable clay in the passing game. But Flowers has the upside to be like a true wide receiver too. And we've seen smaller receivers. I mean, Devonta Smith is a perfect example. Guys that can win on all three levels come into the league and have success. And I think adding a guy like Flowers is super intriguing. It's just like being in the perfect spot to do it. That's what it comes down to. Is this too early uh, for the Bills? I personally wouldn't have a problem if, that, if they uh, decide that that's the move. Uh, but I think whatever move they, they end up making here at 27, um, I think it's a little early for Jack Campbell as well as somebody mm-hmm. we talked about in the last podcast yeah. who actually does end up making his way into my mock draft. So check that out uh, tomorrow at the at the site. Obviously not in the first round, but um, it, you're going to have to be really creative with this. And it's all going to be like about who's willing to come to the table to maybe deal to kind of position yourself in the right spot to take some of these guys. Sure. Zay Flowers, outstanding route runner, top 30 visitor. Uh, some of the team has shown interest in even before it was announced as a top 30 uh, prospect coming in. There's the old train whistle coming in as well. Uh, de- yeah, someone that I, I think makes sense. And again, Bills fans, remember, every pick of this regime of Brandon Beans, the first round picks that he's selected, have been top 30 visitors. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver. Uh, you skipped 2020 and 21 due to COVID years. Last year, Kyer Elam. All of them, top 30 visitors. So there's a lot of weight in stock. Obviously, I think we're at 18 top 30 visitors right now. There are 12 that have yet to be announced or revealed. Some of these guys could end up being that, but it's something that they they certainly consider. And, you know, again, maybe call me a Notre Dame homer. If I'm taking a tight end at 27, I'm taking Michael Mayer over Darnell Washington as much of a moldable piece of clay as Washington is. There's no sure – he's not a sure thing to – turn into something that you can uh, depend on, on on an every down basis. Michael Mayer comes in day one. He improves your blocking. He is an outstanding block for this team. He's a great pass catcher. Um, he, you know, he's never going to blow you away with his athleticism, but as a tight end too, with him and Dawson Knox, that would be one of the best combinations in my opinion uh, in the near future at tight end. Someone that I think, like I said, helps in a multitude of ways. I mean, Chase Claypool was a bill for like three months a couple of years ago <laughs> during draft season. So this surprises like me once. not at all. Okay. Like I, I knew we were going to find a way to shoehorn mayor into one of these, one of these shows, Ryan. Absolutely. Dale, but I love it. Absolutely. You stand up for your guys. I appreciate it. And here, here's the thing. I trust it because you watch these guys a lot. So, I mean, you're going to be able to kind of read through the lines uh, when it comes to uh, these Notre Dame guys. Interestingly enough, you texted me this earlier today. Um, the Bills did all this work on the offensive side of the ball. It came out reportedly today that uh, defensive tackle Mozzie Smith out of Michigan is also having a top 30 visit after all of the hoopla around all these offensive <laughs> players. Watch the Bills actually go out and end up at 27, taking a guy like Smith, who end up could end up being like a really important piece in the defensive line. Like, you know, he's kind of that fringe first-round kind of gray, but – not a kind of guy that I think is going to get everybody uh, in Bill's mafia super, super excited at that spot. No, and you're right. And, you know, three or four of the top receivers in this draft class are coming in on these top 30 visits. The fans are all amped up about it. Uh, a lot's been offense this offseason, but I think that their hearts are set on on adding to this offense in round one. And sure enough, a guy like Mozzie Smith could just come in and, and be that pick and, you know, every draft analyst is different. I have a lot of respect for Lance Zierlein of NFL.com, but he called uh, Mozzie Smith a less consistent Don Terry Poe. And Poe was a Pro Bowl player once or twice in his career, but he wasn't someone that was a game changer more times than not. Uh, if you can coach up Mozzie Smith and get him to play it at his ceiling, then yes, he can be a game wrecker. But we've said that about so many players over the years in this league that just don't reach that ceiling for whatever reason. Um, it, it would definitely be a pick that I think would be met with a fair amount of criticism. Roy Collins. Great question. Who's the pick <laughs> Ryan? This is a, uh, a mock draft. We got to mock it here. We got to give, uh, give the people what they came to see. Who is the pick here at 27 for the bills? I'm going Darnell, right, Matt. I'm going Darnell, right. 
I know I know you have a strong case for Smith. So you're you're controlling the button though. So you're you're in power here. I almost hit Mike, Michael Mayer. Just why not? <laughs> uh, but no. Um, I, I listen. I, I like the idea, and I think at some point, Wright is going to be a guy that I probably have mocked to the Bills uh, as well for for a multitude of reasons. He's a guy that you know comes in here as a legitimate first round caliber tackle. And that's the thing with Spencer Brown. He's a guy that you love all the measurables. You love all the upside, but not a guy that really played the game at a super high level in college came into the pros has had some, you know, some starts and stops, some, some nice moments at times. But I think um, Darnell Wright could be a guy that, you know, who knows? And, and maybe you draft Darnell Wright. He comes in here, wins the right tackle job. Maybe you have Spencer Brown be the swing tackle for a year. And then, you know, Deion Dawkins is not getting any younger. Maybe maybe Spencer Brown's long-term future is at left tackle. Who knows? And maybe if he's not forced to play every week and he can get his body right um, and be that kind of bring him out of the bullpen kind of player, that could be, um, uh, an, that could be an interesting uh, way to go. So I, I, will, I will stay away from the edge rusher which would be, if you really want to boil it down, this would be the third edge rusher in the last four drafts that the Bills took with their first selection in the draft because A.J. Apinesa was the first pick in the second round that they had. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, uh, Ronald Ringler in the comments, he's been a little bit of a negative Nancy all night long. <laughs> so, uh, he, thanks for he, that, He wants Ronald. us to go seven rounds. He wants all seven rounds here tonight, Perino. No, we're not going on all seven rounds. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Ronald. We love you, buddy. Um, no, we're just gonna, we're gonna cut it off there because we have so much more draft coverage. A yeah. uh, little over an hour here uh, on the mock draft. We'll probably do another mock uh, next week, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll bring on a guest for that one. Have a little bit more fun. Why not? This Saturday night, though, Ryan Talbot, you're driving in. Mm, yes. Going to wing nuts. We'll be there by six o'clock. The show is at 7.30 p.m. in-house. If you got some takes, if you want to be a part of it, come on out. Uh, it's a kind of a meet and greet before and after. Let me know. I'll bring you um, onto the show. Uh, we can get your draft takes. Uh, how, uh, what you, in a perfect world, would like to see the Bills do at 27. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to eat a lot of wings. We're going to drink some beers. It's going to be a good time, Ryan. Wings, beers, shout stickers. Name me a better trio, Matt Perino. It's me raining shout stickers. I'm going to give right. it to everybody that comes into that place. Even if you're not coming for the show, you're getting a shout sticker. How do you like that? I'm just going to go put them on cars. I don't even care. David uh, uh, Constantino over on YouTube. Come on, David. Step your game up. He's like, sorry, not driving from Arizona for the show. Why not? It's only Lion. like two Lion. days, dude. It's only like two days. It's Wednesday. You could stop at all the best eateries in the United States of America on the way. You can map it out, get there in plenty of time, and then finish it out at Wingnuts for the best wings mm. in Buffalo. There you go. Boom. Right. Done. Alex Barber asked if our, if our billboard is still up. It is not. That would be crazy dedication if that billboard has been up for two years. <laughs> But let's get another one. Let's get another one. Why not? Yeah, this uh, for training camp. All right, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We'll see you at Wingnuts on Saturday night. We cannot wait. Have a great night, everybody. See you Saturday.